The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you're not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your host, and before we start today's show, I would like to thank Willem for his recent donation. If you are able to help keep the show on the air, please go to andrewcountonhitchcock.com, click the banner at the top, or scroll down on the right and avail yourself of uh, the books that I have available there. Well, today is Thursday, so of course it's time for the regular weekly visit of my good friend Dr. Peter Hammond. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And uh, we've got a topic for you today, folks, entitled The Real Story of Ascension Day and Its Importance Today. So where would you like to start us off today, Peter? Thank you, Andrew. Ascension Day was always a public holiday in South Africa, and it is a very important public holiday. And we noticed that as soon as Nelson Mandela of the ANC became president of South Africa, he abolished Ascension Day. So our last Ascension Day was 1994, and then Mandela became president, and from 1995 on, it has not been a public holiday. And it made me do more research as to what's the importance of Ascension Day. Why would Marxists want to abolish Ascension Day? Well, the answer is very simple right up front. Ascension is all about authority, and uh, no wonder many governments hate Ascension Day, because... uh, you can look around and say, why are so many things going on? And I had a Christian leader ask me not that long ago, why is there so much corruption, crime and violence in our society? Why is there so much immorality, even in the church? Why are we seeing so many moral failures and scandals amongst leaders and business and every level of government, even in the church? And my answer to this person was, these are inevitable consequences of the spirit of our age. Antinomianism, antinomos hostility to God's law, the rejection of God's moral law inevitably leads to lawlessness. Uh, that's what sin is, lawlessness, where every man does what is right in his own eyes. And we're living in antinomian society and age where this is particularly pushed by Hollywood and many of our media, news media, and the entertainment industry. The fact that uh, it's situation ethics, there's no absolute right and wrong. And so they hostile to God's law, especially as summarized in the Ten Commands, and they delight in breaking God's laws and celebrating the deadly sins and so on. So antinomianism has led to this, and egalitarianism, the rejection of authority, the lack of respect for elders, all of this produces a self-centered, selfish, 
entitlement mentality, age, and society. And evolutionism, with its denial of the creator and therefore denial of accountability to Almighty God on Judgment Day, all of this erodes the very foundations of Christian civilization. There's no right or wrong. There's no uh, ultimate day of judgment. There's no God. There's no creator. There's no day of judgment. Uh, this kind of mentality of radical atheism, of secularism, uh, has has led to a situation where people are laws into themselves or where politicians think that they can literally uh, define what uh, life is, what marriage is, when life can end, and so on. And you see this now in a society promoting everything from euthanasia, abortion, perversion, uh, what the Bible calls an abomination. They want to call marriage, alternative lifestyles, and all this. But you see, all ideas have consequences, and foundational truths have been ignored, and vital pillars of Christian civilization have been eroded. And what we are seeing today in the COVID cult and the lockdown lunacy and everything else going on, these are the inevitable outworkings of false doctrines being introduced, false doctrines being tolerated, false doctrines being accepted, and in many cases even celebrated. Just look how you can have gay pride days and celebration of everything from abortion to euthanasia to perversion. And in these ways, you can see the very foundations of society being undermined. And I believe that Ascension Day is an important part of the calendar to counteract this. One of the great problems of age is the separating of salvation from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, It was General uh, William Booth of the Salvation Army who said over 120 years ago that the chief danger in the 20th century will be uh, salvation without, without God, that you'll have politics without God, that you will have salvation without the cross, you'll have forgiveness without repentance, you will have heaven without hell. And I think we're seeing all of this today where there's been an editing and a uh, dumbing down of the gospel and the full salvation that we read about in the Bible is being ignored in many ways. We cannot accept Jesus as our savior without submitting to him and surrendering to him as our Lord. Those who preach a cheap grace and easy believism, just believe, just pray this prayer, just raise your hand, it's easy to be a Christian. That's not biblical. You won't find that in the Gospels or the Book of Acts or anywhere in the Bible. Uh, You don't see the Gospel being described as it's easy to be saved. In fact, you hear it's it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, But with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible. So in the Bible, we read Jesus commanding people, to take up their cross, to deny the world, to forsake the world, to deny themselves and to follow him. We we read about surrendering to Christ, uh, trusting in Christ, following Christ, obeying him. But you don't read about just accept. Accept is the weakest word in the English language. And so this cheap grace and easy believism betrays an inadequate understanding of the problem of sin and of the nature of God, the holiness of God, and of Christ's mission on earth and our purpose and calling as Christians. So Uh, Consider the premier Old Testament picture of salvation in the Exodus. It would not have been sufficient for Moses to have proclaimed to the Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt that they should accept that in Yahweh they have perfect freedom while leaving them in bondage and under the whip of slavery in Egypt. Anything less than deliverance from Egypt and freedom from the bondage of slavery would have been inadequate. God's people 
needed to be able to survive the Passover, leave Egypt, cross through the Red Sea, and be established as a free people in the promised land. And that was God's eternal purposes. So today, for people to say that you can have salvation in sin, which is roughly what Catholicism is, you could be forgiven for continuing in sin, you would continue doing the same sins week by week, but you go to confession on Friday, and you have mass on Sunday, and that wipes the slate clean, and you go back and do exactly the same things next week. So it's salvation in sin. Martin Luther, the reformer, said, no, we have salvation from sin. It's not only justification, which is a legal term, saved from the penalty of sin, but it's also sanctification, being daily freed from the power of sin, and ultimately glorification, where we are saved even from the presence of sin in eternity in heaven. And so we need to go from the I have been saved, justification, saved from the penalty of sin, through sanctification, I am daily being saved progressively from the power of sin, and one day glorification will be saved even from the presence of sin. And so we need to understand that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that's what's proclaimed in Ascension Day. Sin is serious, but we're all far too tolerant of sin. But sin is more defiling than dirt. It's more dangerous than an unexploded bomb. It's more life-threatening than deadly disease. It's far more insidious than any virus. And so seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. That's in Isaiah 55. Compromise and cowardice have catastrophic consequences. And we're living in a time of tremendous cowardice. The cowardice in the face of this COVID cult and this lockdown lunacy is insane. This government overreach where you're seeing everything of George Orwell's 1984 and Huxley's Brave New World coming together. We, we should recognize the classic outworkings of the tactics of corrupt and conquer and confuse, divide and conquer. Marxists, secular humanists, those of the Frankfurt School, the termite strategy of the Gramsci strategy, you can see they're working on the corrupt and conquer and the confused, divide and conquer. And all too many have been deceived, distracted, divided and disarmed. There are those who openly advocate the destruction of Christian civilization. In fact, just recently, Vogue magazine had an article on is having children pure environmental terrorism? That's right. Having children, there's a picture of a white mother with a white child. And the title of it is having a child pure environmental terrorism. And then they also had an article in there about how our pets are destroying the planet. Literally, your pets are destroying the planet. So you shouldn't have pets and you shouldn't have uh, children. Uh, certainly shouldn't have any white children, that's for sure. And that's the message in vogue. So even something as basic as obeying the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply or the Great Commission is now considered just politically incorrect and terrorism. That's the word they used in, in this Vogue magazine. So in the face of those openly advocating the destruction of Christian civilization, look at the people who are even trying to change the uh, over a millennium and a half tradition of B.C. and A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. And now they're trying to change it into this more innocuous B.C.E. and uh, C.E. Well, as Christians, we shouldn't accept that. 
I remember when I was first um, uh, being asked my name to fill in for any forms, border post, anyway, it used to be back in the 1970s, what is your Christian name? What's your surname? Uh, somewhere along the line in the 80s, they changed it to first name instead of Christian name. Uh, you can see in so many ways, Christian principles are being taken out and the Christian calendar is being deleted in many ways. That's part of the first part of the cancel culture, canceling Christian culture. And so in the face of these disastrous developments, the response of all too many Christian leaders has been compromise and cowardice. But Ascension Day points us to the solution to all these problems because Ascension Day deals with authority. 1 Peter 3.22, Christ has gone into heaven and he is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So the trouble is that today, most Christians want to just stop at Christmas. Christmas celebrates the greatest gift of all, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Christ. When God took on human form and was born in Bethlehem, that this is very important. And it's right that Christmas is the biggest holiday in the year. But many would prefer to think of Christ as still the babe in the manger, rather than as the risen, ascended, sovereign Lord reigning on high, coming again to judge the living and dead. Yet the classic Christmas verse, which is my favorite Christmas verse, Isaiah 9 verse 6, it reads, for unto us a child is born. Of course, most people would like to stop there because a baby can be cute and so unthreatening and apparently harmless. But the verse continues, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's Isaiah 9, verse 67. Well, many like the idea of a, a child is born, but they'd like to stop there and edit out the government will be upon his shoulder. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Well, that seems a bit too intimidating. That's too threatening. That's too intrusive for the politically correct. And this has implications for every area of life. We like a God of love and mercy who answers our prayers and provides all our needs. However, we are not too comfortable with a holy God who sees everything, even the thoughts of our hearts, who is the eternal judge we will have to give an account to of every idle word ever spoken and even of the motives of our heart. And so we are living in a society where God's government is decapitalized and man's government is capitalized. How many times do you see people will put a small G for gospel, but a capital G for government? Well, the only time you should refer to the government with a capital G should be when you're referring to God. He's the one who determines whether we live or die. He's the one who governs the universe. He determines the seasons. God is all-knowing, everywhere present, and all-powerful. And so it's disturbing that today you see this, this deification of the state, the statism, where people speak about the state, capital S. But savior, that's small s. And they will put a capital G for government or for state, capital S, and then Bible will be small b even. This is not acceptable. We need to recognize that all human authority is limited. All human authority is delegated by God and is answerable to Almighty God. We will all have to bow before God and give an account of our lives and of every word ever spoken on that last dreadful day of judgment. 
every one of us have an appointment. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, it is appointed for men to die once, but after that, the judgment. So that's one appointment no one will be able to miss. In fact, that's one appointment none of us will even be able to be late for. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that to face the judgment. So the most important holiday in the Christian calendar, Christmas, makes sense. Celebrating the incarnation of Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. The second most important holiday on a Christian calendar is Good Friday. When we solemnly remember the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, his great sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He suffered. He bled, he died for our sins, and he endured the punishment we deserve so that we could enjoy the reward that only he deserves. This should inspire us afresh to repentance, to thanksgiving, and to consecration. Because in view of God's mercy, we should present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, we read in Romans 12. So many Christians, unfortunately, stop there. They worship Jesus as the suffering savior. And Roman Catholics have crucifixes depicting Christ's suffering on the cross. But we Protestants have tended to reject crucifixes because to us, Christ is no longer suffering on the cross. Therefore, we prefer simple crosses, plain, rugged crosses, wooden crosses, because Christ is no longer on the cross. He is the ascended, risen, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords, reigning on high. And he will come and he will judge the living and dead. And so the third great Christian holiday event after Christmas and Good Friday is Resurrection Sunday. And this is a joyous celebration of the victory of Christ over death, hell, Satan, and the grave. Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Death is defeated. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is our Lord and our Savior, and he's been declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. All the founders of religions are dead. You can visit the graves of Muhammad and Buddha and Confucius and Marx and Lenin and for that matter, Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr. and Nelson Mandela and Churchill. I mean, there's no doubt they're all dead. But in Jerusalem, there is an empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen, raised for our justification. It's absolutely essential that we include Ascension Day, and I should add Pentecost Sunday, into our Christian calendar. It's not enough to just celebrate Christmas, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. We need to remind ourselves of the Ascension and of Pentecost Sunday, because this is what's all too often missing. 40 days after Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the Ascension of Christ into heaven. And today is Ascension Day, and, and I would trust if any church does not have an Ascension Day service, they should at least have an Ascension Sunday service this coming Sunday, 40 days after Resurrection Sunday, Christ ascended into heaven. He is alive forevermore. He is exalted. He is enthroned at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He is above every other name. He is above every other authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. We have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He will crush all his enemies. He will come again. Therefore, we must go and make disciples of all nations. So it's most significant that some governments have seen fit to abolish the long-established Ascension Day as a public holiday, because Ascension Day deals with authority. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, that Great Commission, Matthew 28, has inspired our mission. In the last 39 years, I have ministered in 38 countries, and I have been able to deliver over a hundred, uh, over a million Bibles uh, throughout Africa and New Testaments and hundreds of millions of tracts and gospel booklets, and I've preached on well over 15,000 times across Africa and different places, all because of the Great Commission, which was given on at the Ascension, where the Lord commanded us to make disciples of all nations. He didn't tell us to go and make decisions. He didn't tell us to make just converts, but disciples. And disciples needs teaching and obedience and discipline. And to disciple the nations, that is what the church was doing in the 19th century. But in the 20th century, the church got derailed. In the 20th century, we've had the worst century of persecution. More Christians have been martyred for their faith, over 42 million in the 20th century than in all previous 19th centuries combined. The 19th century was the greatest century of missions when Christian nations went out and converted whole nations, tribes, kings bowed down to Christ, cannibals were converted and were singing Jesus shall reign in the Pacific Islands. Amazing things happened in the 19th century. And uh, that's what I got my doctorate on is the greatest century of missions, the, the uh, 19th century missionary movement. And uh, uh, it's a shocking thing uh, that we got derailed in the 20th century by the auto genocide of the First World War and the Second World War, which had Christians fighting one another. And at the end of it, I don't know that there's a single Christian nation on the planet today that can be called truly Christian, as we had Christian nations in 1910 worldwide, uh, who were, in fact, back in 1914, before the First World War, Christians ruled the world. The superpowers were the Protestant nations of of the United States of America, Great Britain, Germany. Uh, these nations dominate the world. And with the exception of Japan and the Ottoman Empire of Turkey, which was collapsing anyway, and China, which was very weak at that stage, the rest of the world was controlled by Christians, either Orthodox in the case of Russia or Catholic in the case of France or Austria or Protestant in the case of Germany, Great Britain and, and the United States, uh, South Africa, Australia, Canada and others. Uh, so uh, it's deeply disturbing to us that we've moved to a stage now that very few countries have ascension day as a holiday. So it's super important for us to remember the authority of Christ because the ascension proclaims the lordship of Christ over all areas of life. Now, interestingly, uh, there are a number of countries, 26 countries that I can see that actually observe ascension day. And this includes Austria and Belgium and Benin and Botswana and Burkina Faso and Burundi, interestingly, and Cameroon, Central African Republic and the Congo, Denmark, the Faroe Islands, Finland, France, and Germany, and Greenland, and Iceland, and uh, Ivory Coast, Lesotho, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Madagascar, uh, Monaco, Namibia, uh, Old Southwest Africa, Netherlands, Norway, uh, celebrated Sweden, Switzerland. So there's many countries in the world still celebrating essentially, although I'm not too sure if the people or the governments in those countries fully understand its significance and its importance. But Ascension Day is seriously important. It, it proclaims the authority of Christ. And it's so important today that we remind people that Jesus Christ is Lord and that all those in government who think they're so important are on towards him. Interestingly, that CT Stud, 
once the greatest cricketer of Britain uh, back in 19th century. Uh, he gave up cricket uh, to be a missionary to China and then to India and then a missionary to Africa. And he started WIC, Worldwide Evangelization Crusade, which became one of the biggest missions in the world at that time. And C.T. Studd uh, wrote uh, the book Fool and Fanatic. And he said, uh, when I was a fanatic for sports, because that's what fan is short for. To say I'm a sports fan or a cricket fan or a soccer fan, uh, that's short for fanatic. And for me to be a fanatic for cricket and for sports was perfectly acceptable. But the moment I became enthusiastic for Jesus, I was called a fool and a fanatic. And he says, why is it that it's acceptable to be a fanatic for political or sports events, but not to be enthusiastic for what's eternal and what's of ultimate importance? And C.T. Studd, this great cricketer turned pioneer missionary, said, some like to live within sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Well, you see, this reminds us that at the ascension, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ is Lord over the world of business and sports and entertainment and the government. There's not a square millimeter of this plant that is not under the Lordship of Christ. Jesus Christ should be acknowledged as Lord of the schools and shops and cinemas, factories, hospitals, law courts and ponds. There's no area of life outside of his authority. Every doctor and teacher, every policeman or businessman, every parliamentarian or factory worker, farmer, mother, father, magistrate, Supreme Court judge will have to individually stand before Almighty God on the day of judgment and give an account of our lives. And this was acknowledged by, for example, Queen Victoria, when Queen Victoria was the greatest, uh, the queen of the greatest empire the world had ever seen, when something like one fifth of the world's land surface and population were under her domain, she went to an Easter presentation of Handel's Messiah. And it's been English tradition since King George II, that when the hallelujah chorus sounds, you stand because as King George II said, you cannot remain seated for the anthem of the King of Kings. And so he stood, and when the king stood, everyone had to stand. So it continues to be a tradition in the English-speaking world to this day. And my wife and daughter many times sung in uh, Cape Town choirs for Handel's Messiah. And it's been a wonderful uh, uh, experience to go through that and hear the scripture sung. Because Handel's Messiah is one of the greatest examples of, of musical comfort. I mean, it, it sounds like heaven in so many cases. And it's all scripture. And as they pound out, King of kings, Lord of lords, everyone stands. Well, the uh, history tells us that when Queen Victoria was very old and uh, the empress of uh, the largest empire the world had ever seen, and she went to one of these presentations, the organizers came and said, Your Majesty, in, in the light of your great age, please remain seated during the uh, Hallelujah Chorus. We, uh, we cannot expect someone of your age to have to stand for this. Well, when it came for the Hallelujah Chorus, Queen Victoria stood and she bowed for the whole time because she knew that although she is the greatest earthly monarch that the world had ever seen, she is nothing in the scales of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator. And Queen Victoria once said to her chaplain that the greatest desire of her life would be that the Lord Jesus could return while she is alive so that she could place the crown and the throne in the hands of the one to whom it belongs, which she is only holding as a caretaker. And this is the way that 
that Christian Europe, Christendom used to think and look that every throne is being kept in trust for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that this is actually his throne and this is his crown, his crown, his covenant and his dominion and all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, which is all part of what's sung in Handel of what is taught in the book of Revelation. And so the, the ascension celebrates the vindication of Christ, the victory of Christ. No doubt the high priest Caiaphas and King Herod and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, no doubt they thought that they were very important and powerful people. Yet these religious and political leaders, they only remember today because they arrogantly dismissed and unjustly condemned Christ Jesus in the worst travesty of justice ever seen. And they're only remembered today because of that, because Jesus is all important and they are nothing. They did not recognize that they were condemning to death the creator, the giver of life, the eternal judge before whom each one of them must stand. Can you imagine being in the place of someone like Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas or Herod having to stand before Christ on the day of judgment? or more like the life flat on their faces, uh, they did not recognize that they were condemning to death the one before whom they must stand on day of judgment. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive, we read in Psalm 68, verse 18. Uh, perhaps you've seen films like Ben-Hur, and there's the triumph when the conquering general or uh, the um, uh, leader of the tribune that's coming back from foreign wars, he has behind his chariot, in chains, the kings and the chiefs and the generals of the conquered armies of the enemy that they have defeated. And uh, the, the picture given in the scripture is that in the ascension, Christ led captivity captive. He had in his train, so to speak, the, all his enemies will be um, his slaves, will be his footstool. And, and this is, in fact, an emphasis of one of the, greatest of the Psalms, one of the most quoted Psalms is Psalm 110. And Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Emperor Augustus, who issued the decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world, he required everyone to return to the town of birth. He could not have realized at the time that the baby born to third class subjects in faraway Judea would one day judge him. The ascension proclaims the ultimate victory of Christ. Those who refuse to bow to Christ as Savior and Lord today, when we're in the day of grace, when forgiveness is freely available, when the door to heaven is wide open, they will one day be forced to bow to Christ as the eternal judge. When the day of grace will be ended and when the door to heaven will be firmly closed, but they will be forced to, to bow because as we read in Psalm 110 verse 5 to 6, he will execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge amongst the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. This is Psalm 110. This is one of the most quoted Psalms in the New Testament. And uh, so uh, Psalm 110 is again and again referred to by the Gospels and the Epistles as a Messianic Psalm fulfilled in Christ. The question is not, will you bow to Christ? The question is, when will you bow to Christ? Will you bow to Christ as Lord and Savior today? Or will you only bow to Christ as your judge on the day of judgment? Is Jesus your Savior and Lord, or is he your eternal judge?
Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11 says, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess him as king of glory to the glory of God the Father. That's Philippians 2 verse 9 to 11. So there is no authority above that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow to him. Compared to Christ, the kings and presidents of this world are as nothing. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And this includes King Herod and Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate. It includes Caesar Augustus and Nero. It includes Muhammad, Karl Marx, Vladimir Lenin. It includes Lincoln and Mao Zedong. It includes Mandela and Churchill, all of them. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Mugabe, Castro, whoever you want to think of, every one of them. Macron, the lot. On several occasions, while witnessing to Muslims, I've heard a Muslim declare, I believe as Muhammad believes. And at this I normally reply, then you must become a Christian. And they'd respond, but Muhammad did not believe in Jesus, they replied. My response to that is, no, he did not then, but Muhammad believes now. And that is the point. The ascension is a great comfort to believers who suffer persecution. In Hebrews 4, verse 14, we read, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That's Hebrews 4. We have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He will come again. He will crush all his enemies. Therefore, we should not fear governments, popes or councils, or the United Nations, or the Wuhan Health Organization, for that matter, we must not bow before idols, nor may we compromise the essential principles of our faith. Though Christ is physically absent from the earth, yet through his Holy Spirit, he is spiritually present. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere present. He is all-powerful. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15:25. The ascension is a wonderful reminder and assurance to us that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's Habakkuk 2.14. The ascension proclaims Christ's glorious triumph and his future return on the day of judgment. Therefore, we as Christians should return to observing ascension day as a holy day to our faith. That's what holidays meant to mean, holy day. That's the etymology of the word holiday, holy day. And it is holy to our faith, and we must apply the implications of the Lord to Christ to every area of life. Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ascension Day is super important, and it's one reason why I can do what I do, because I'm a missionary to persecuted churches. I've for 39 years been serving 
persecuted Christians in restricted access areas, communist and Muslim countries where missionaries are legal, where Bibles are legal, where we've got to smuggle Bibles. And from early on, I'd have people questioning me saying, how can you break the law? And when one of our missionaries, Anthony Duncan, was uh, killed in the service of one of his one of our missions across the border, December 1994, we sent four vehicles into the field and only one vehicle came back, the vehicle I was driving in, in Zambia. Uh, but we had a vehicle accident. We had a team ambushed. Uh, we had a team that had successfully smuggled a ton of Bibles and medicines into Angola. But this was in breach of the United Nations blockade on UNITA, Jonas Savimbi's freedom fighters who were running free Angola, which was more than a third of the total land surface of Angola, and they were being totally blockaded. Although there was vast amounts of aid being sent to the communist government of Angola from Cuba and uh, China, uh, from Israel and from France, they were pouring an aid into uh, communist Angola, and but nobody was sending so much as bandages, let alone bullets, uh, to uh, our friends in uh, Free Angola under UNITA. And in 1994, we were the only ones taking anything into them because not even Red Cross, not even Doctors Without Borders, Medicines on Frontiers, none of them were going into the blockaded Free Angola under Jonas Vimpi's uh, UNITA Freedom Fighters because they rejected the UN uh, elections, which was fraudulent as anything in 1994. At horrific uh, elections, 10,000 people killed during the three days of the elections, just in the capital city, including the vice president of UNITA. No wonder UNITA rejected these so-called free and fair elections uh, of, of Angola. And so uh, we were taking Bibles and medicines and we lost one of our workers while doing it, uh, Anthony Duncan, uh, age 29. And people uh, were saying to us that at this time, well, how could you be breaking the law? Uh, not just breaking the law of the government of Angola, but of the United Nations, it was against international law to breach the blockade and take aid into UNITA's Angola. And I had to say, you don't understand the Great Commission. There's no authority higher than that of Jesus Christ. Nobody has the authority to countermand the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Great Commission isn't just to go where it's safe, legal, peaceful, but it doesn't tell us to stop at the Iron Curtain or the Bamboo Curtain or the minefield or the barbed wire fence. No, make disciples of every nation. Nobody has higher authority than Jesus Christ. And and that is also important in this day of lockdown lunacy and the COVID cult, where people are saying, but you, you, you have to wear the mask and, and you have to get the vaccination and you've got to obey the government. You must maintain social distancing and you've you've got to close and you can't sing because, well, this is, we've got to respect our government. And, you know, and these people are living in fear fear of the government maybe, or misplaced trust in them, thinking that they're doing this for your good and benefit because they really care for you and they're not a bunch of corrupt criminals in uh, who in league with the producers of these vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer uh, and uh, others who have lobbied to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars and pounds in order to have indemnity from liability for prosecution for ill effects from their vaccines uh, to to be in a situation where people are saying that, oh, you've got to accept that your church has been decreed as a non-essential activity. Well, any church you can think that obeying the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is non-essential doesn't understand the message of Ascension Day. Ascension deals with authority. And there's no higher authority than that of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Queen Victoria understood that. In fact, Queen Elizabeth, when she was crowned, had to acknowledge 
and swear solemnly in the uh, in Westminster Abbey that uh, she would govern in accordance with the gospels of Christ and the laws of God. And it was it's very clear as she's presented with the scripture and part of the coronation oath is a solemn swearing to uh, in, enact all legislation only in terms of the gospels of Christ and the laws of God as contained in the Holy Scriptures. That's part of the coronation process and solemn oath and commitment. And this is what Magna Carta stands for, and also the common law and the dooms of King Alfred. The laws of Canute, all through history, it has been recognized in Christendom and Christian nations that Christ is the highest authority, and no law is valid if it is not in accordance with God's law. In fact, William Blackshaw one of the greatest legal experts ever, said any law not founded on God's law is invalid, of no effect, and is no law at all. And that is, again, building on a doctrine of the ascension, because the ascension is a wonderful reminder to us that we are called to committed discipleship, to consistent obedience. We need to take up a cross. We need to forsake the world. We need to follow Christ. Just as Israel could not fulfill its calling by remaining in bondage in Egypt. Neither can we effectively serve God today if we remain conformed to this world, on bondage to its sins and idolatries and deceptions. Attempting to accept the benefits of Jesus as Savior, while denying his authority as Lord of all areas of life, is futile. That is why we need to go beyond celebrating Christmas, worshiping the babe in the manger. We need to go beyond accepting the atonement for our sins as represented by Good Friday. And we need to recognize that Christ Jesus is risen, ascended, reigning on high, King of kings, Lord of lords. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to fear God alone. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must stop fearing man, and we must stop trusting lying politicians. We must trust God alone. We must fear God alone. And we must love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. And we must love our neighbors ourselves. Have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you studying his word and seeking to faithfully apply biblical principles to all areas of life? We need to get back to the Bible for reformation and revival. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is why uh, today on Ascension Day, we are marking this with special Ascension Day service uh, this evening at our mission. This is why we're having a Faith, Family and Future conference uh, today on Ascension Day. It's so vital for us to know where authority lies and ultimately all authority is delegated by God. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And um, I get so much from your presentations as so many of the audience do. But one thing that just came into my mind after listening to you speak today is God has never given us a clearer choice. And I'm going to go back to what you said about uh, your exact comment was lockdown lunacy and the COVID cult. Now, funnily enough, we spoke about this before um, we went on air, folks. I mentioned to Peter that um, he was aware anyway. And this is from the Daily Mail in 7th of March this year. Austria suspends jabs with batch of AstraZeneca vaccine after one person died and another fell ill. So you have one person die and you have one person fall ill and Austria suspended the AstraZeneca vaccine. If we go to the figures, 
that I read out on the show with Paul English every Monday. I'm just going to give you the AstraZeneca figure. We've now had 722 people die and 160,543, I'm sorry, people injured with a total amount of adverse reactions of 598,985 in the UK alone. Okay, so if this doesn't tell you that your government is not looking out for you when Austria suspends it after one death and one um, person injured, I don't see how God can make things more clear for you that you cannot uh, trust your government, you cannot trust your media, and I believe that this really is a critical time in our history where people are being given a clear choice by God. And the other thing is, folks is however ungodly you may have felt you've lived in the past or what have you, this is the salvation that Jesus Christ gives you. Just pray and ask for forgiveness, so long as you mean that and you mean not to continue in sin. And the Antifa don't give you that. The Antifa will find something you did 25 years ago and try to get you to lose your job over it. Um, so for me, this is where we are today. And I don't think that there's been a greater opportunity for those who have not yet come to Christ to do so. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? It's so important that we know God, that we love God, that we have bowed to him for forgiveness and a new start in life, a new life to start. Because, yes, the enemy wants to keep us in bondage and guilt manipulation. This is the other thing. When, when we have repented before God, when we have knelt before God, then we can stand before any man. And when we truly fear God, and he's the one who should be feared, because Jesus said, don't fear man who can only kill a body, and after that he can do nothing else. Fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell forever. And so that is whom we should fear. And uh, one of our greatest units in South African history, uh, the reconnaissance commander, one reconnaissance commander would be equivalent to what the British SAS is, and uh, their official biography is, we fear naught but God. That's that's the um, title of the book on our recce's or reconnaissance commanders, as we call them, our special forces. We fear naught but God. And I think that needs to be the Christian attitude. But until you have experienced the forgiveness of Christ, you can easily be manipulated, guilt manipulated by others. The world's got, of course, fake guilt, psychological guilt, and there's no forgiveness for that. They will never let you go. Satan is a hard taskmaster. And you can see with the BLM and Antifa and all the other characters out there, they want to guilt manipulate, they want to gaslight, they want to uh, Stockholm Syndrome you forever. And this is all part of the Gramsci strategy, the termite strategy, the Frankfurt School of, of uh, Critical Race Theory. It's out there to keep you continually guilty and shamed and and therefore uh, paralyzed effectively uh, and crippled and, and not being able to, to operate as free people. But what, what God has always done through Christ is he makes us free people, forgiven, where we can stand and look anyone clear in the face because God, uh, we are, and when we write with God, we can stand before any man. And so it's, it's a very key point. And I know a lot of people who are listening to us now uh, may have had bad experiences in some churches and may be very disenchanted with organized religion. But of course, we're not talking about organized religion. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about the Bible. It's, I know that there's a lot of fakes and frauds. And let's be honest, much of the organized mainstream churches, they have been infiltrated by Marxists, 
uh, by BLM activists, uh, by people who've got the Gramsci strategy of the termite strategy from within. And there's there's no doubt that there's a lot of traitors and there's a lot of cowards and compromisers in organized religion. We're not in any way trying to endorse or promote them. But to point people to Jesus Christ, you can point many problems in the world and many problems in the churches that claim to speak for Christ, but nobody can find anything hypocritical or false or dishonest in Jesus Christ. He is perfect. And uh, unfortunately, many who claim to speak for him are not. And so uh, it's so important that what we're talking about is not people getting religious, but let's get right with God. And when we fear God and when we love God and when we've experienced his forgiveness, we can be more ferocious fighters for faith and freedom than we could possibly be any other way. And this is what I think has made our countries great and strong, is people who were right with God and therefore were able to put things right in society because they feared God and they did not fear man. And right now, what are we seeing around the churches? We're seeing so many compromising and acquiescing to totally unconstitutional, illogical, unscientific uh, demands uh, in this lockdown lunacy. And uh, when we have the steel of Christian conviction in our backbones and the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, then we will be able to fight for what is right without being coward and intimidated and bamboozled in many cases by all the nonsense they throw at us. So, yes, I think this is absolutely critical Andrew, if we are to be free people in the future, uh, we need to know freedom in Christ first and foremost. Or what what other hope is there in this insane world that's in rebellion to God, that's going mad? We don't want to be in a situation where we, we see what's wrong in the world and we fight against what's wrong in the world, but we ourselves are not right with God. I mean, what good is that and what hope is there? Is there any hope outside of Jesus Christ and outside of his word? We know what is right and wrong and what is true from the word of God. And we have hope in the future because of God. But outside of him, what hope is there? Back to you, Andrew. Well, I absolutely agree. And um, the example I always give is, uh, you know, the Trump victory and the Brexit that happened at a similar time. Um, and uh, in the UK and the USA, we've cast our votes respectively for what these uh, two choices offered. And we didn't get them. Okay, so that was really uh, you being told that a man is not going to sort this out for you. It's too, the corruption is too deep, it's endemic. And that's why I say to people, people sometimes accuse me of, of cucking or whatever, because, you know, I don't suggest that people rise up and fight the system and what have you. But my answer to them is that, you know, we've been talking about this for years. I've written books about it and what have you. And we see constantly um, that anyone that tries to, you know, form a political party or speak out there, they're getting jailed, they're getting ostracised, they're getting bank accounts taken away, all these different things. And you have to stand up in the right way. And if you stand up for Jesus Christ, it said, put on the armour of Jesus Christ. As you heard, Peter's gone into extremely difficult situations in his missionary work um, and that is because he has his conviction in Jesus Christ and that's who he's standing up for and I think that that's the most important thing because that's the one thing that we see hasn't really been tried properly uh, for, for many 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 years uh, and, and people you know they'll point out the uh, 
the, the powers that be today, how evil colonialism is and things like that. And there were certainly uh, elements where, you know, nations, uh, natural resources may have been taken advantage of and stuff. But I understand that colonialism was a great spreading of uh, God's message. Would that be true, Peter? It is true indeed. Uh, I, for example, when I was in Belgium um, not that long ago, I had some people there talking about how absolutely evil King Leopold was and how terrible the Belgian Congo was and so on. I said, have you ever read Henry Morton Stanley's Through the Dark Continent? <laughs> Any idea what the Congo was like before it was uh, colonized and freed? The cannibalism, the, the intertribal genocide, the uh, vast amounts of slavery and all these evils. And interesting that in his lifetime, Henry Morton Stanley was hailed as the greatest humanitarian of all time and the person who'd emancipate more slaves than anyone else. And, and uh, King Leopold was hailed as a phenomenal humanitarian because of his uh, putting his entire personal fortune into making the Congo a free state, civilized and so on, where missionaries like C.T. Stead could go in and, and evangelize people who used to be cannibals. And uh, uh, interesting that today you've got people in Belgium thinking they're so superior to the great-grandparents' generation, because they support dictators around Africa with their tax money who are oppressing and murdering their people. And they live in a country where abortion, euthanasia is legal and perversion is accepted as marriage and all that sort of thing. And they think they're so superior. And yet their parents, or great-great-grandparents, I should say, um, were supporting the civilizing of, of the heart of darkness. And how arrogant of many people of our time to damned to hell previous generations for what they think they did wrong in the light of the woke cultures, um, guilt manipulation, uh, Stockholm syndrome nonsense. Uh, and they blind to their own sins today that here we are living in an age where blasphemy is legal, where abortion is legal, where euthanasia is in so many cases practiced, where there's so much evil going on and where our governments take our tax money, not only to kill our babies, but to kill babies in other countries and to fund dictators like the Mugabe's of this world who are persecuting Christians in their own countries. And how is it possible that so many people are so arrogant as to think that we're so righteous when previous generations did far better and the world was in a far better state, but because of some quirk of how they now reinterpret everything of the past in terms of a, a filter through this critical race theory, uh, Marxist analysis, uh, they are giving up their history, they're damning their ancestors, and they are blinded to their own failures. And remember, our Lord Jesus was very gracious to sinners who were repentant, but he was merciless with the self-righteous Pharisees, because there's nothing more obnoxious in God's eyes than a person who thinks he's righteous, and he can point the finger at everyone else, but he cannot see what's wrong with himself. And this is what I think we're seeing these days is the so-called liberals are not liberal at all. The so-called gays aren't gay at all. In fact, those people who are claiming to be progressive, they're not progressive at all. They're going back to pre-Christian paganism, child sacrifice, and, and uh, all kinds of hideous behaviors of perversion, which we condemned before. And just on, there's so many levels that you can see this on, such as in the past, civilized people wore clothes. And uh, the uh, savage people in places like the Pacific and so on did not. And today, you can see the people whose ancestors were cannibals are now better dressed, uh, more Christian, and don't do tattoos and so on, whereas the people who, whose 
ancestors were Christians, and I walked around semi-naked, uh, tattooing their flesh all over the place and engaging in everything from abortion to perversion and thinking we're so advanced. And it looks to me like the opposite. And again and again, you can just see that we're living in a world that's topsy-turvy. It's like, it's like we've fallen down the rabbit hole and we're meeting the Mad Hatter. And this is uh, an Alice in Wonderland experience of like, what on earth is going on? We're living in a world which doesn't even know that they are living in such deception and self-deception. So again and again, it's so important that we, we humble ourselves and we, we uh, seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. Then he will hear from heaven, forgive us sin and, and heal our land. I mean, that's the hope for the future. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And uh, before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can contact you? Yes, my personal email is peter at frontline.org.za, peter at frontline.org.za, and our website, www.frontlinemissionsa.org, frontlinemissionsa.org. Today is Ascension Day. Uh, We're having a conference today, which is being uh, live-streamed, Faith Family in the Future. But tonight, we've got an Ascension Day service. If you want to join us, of course, remember, we are two hours uh, uh, ahead of, uh, no, be two hours behind uh, GMT uh, and uh, 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 the uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, so Cape Town time or, or Johannesburg time, as you may find it. So uh, frontlinemissionsa.org. But the the conference will be live streamed on our Africa Christian Action Facebook page. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And folks, uh, if you're in the UK, you, you might find this surprising, but South Africa, they don't operate any daylight saving time. So their clocks never change. Uh, and so consequently, at some part of the year, there's a two hour differential. Peter's two hours ahead and at other parts of the year, uh, he's one hour ahead. And he's correct uh, with regard to GMT, he's currently two hours ahead, but we're one hour ahead. Um, with daylight savings time so uh, Mm. you need to think of Peter as being one hour ahead of us at the moment uh, if you wish to uh, join for this uh, what I imagine will be a wonderful service so um, anyway that being said I want to thank all of you for listening I want to thank Peter so much for another wonderful presentation you have been listening to the real story of Ascension Day and its importance today I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Peter and I'll be back with you at the same time next week. Until then, folks, have a wonderful day. And bye for now.